Oh, we praise your name. You alone are worthy of our praise this morning. We're so excited, Father, to be in your presence once again. That we can gather as a family in your name today, Father. To sit under your word, Daddy. To hear your voice. To have you minister to us. We expect him this morning, Father. We honor you, Father God. We magnify you. And become with thankful and appreciative hearts this morning. Filled with gratitude and praise. For all that you've done. And all that you're about to do. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, you can do better than that. You can do better than that. What shall I render to Jehovah? My praise. My praise. Give him a praise offering this morning. Magnify him in your homes this morning. Magnify him. Come on, give him a shout. Give him a shout. Let the dogs make a noise at home because they don't know what's going on. Give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Aren't you blessed you in the house this morning? Aren't you blessed you connected with us this morning? Oh, we're so blessed to have you with us. We're looking forward to what God is about to do in this place. Amen. Amen. Every time we gather together in His name, Daddy's about to do something special in our lives. Amen and amen. Give your neighbor a social distancing high five elbow thingy there. And just tell them you're looking better now that you've got your praise on amen and amen. Awesome. We're so blessed to have you with us this morning. To those that are streaming on live stream, welcome to the service. You are tuned into the best church in the world. Amen. God has been so good, so gracious to this ministry. Even as you're just worshiping, I'm just thinking of the goodness of God. How God has kept us, kept families, kept homes, kept families together, kept people. He's restored, He's built up. Even in when the world has been in a recession, we have been progressing. Amen. And so, Father, we just honor you this morning. Uh, our, our, our parents honored with us this morning. Apostle Max and Pastor C, they're not here today, as you can see. So I'll be sharing the word this morning. I just want to honor them and say thank you for who you are. Thank you for your leadership. You are an absolute, absolute blessing, not only to this church, but also to the world. We want to honor you this morning. We want to thank you for the many sacrifices that you make. We want to thank you for the many times you brought correction, encouragement, love, support on so many levels. We just want to honor you this morning. And I want to pray for them. Let's just pray for them, family. Let's pray. Father, we come into agreement and we decree and declare over their lives, oh God, as we bring them before you that they are blessed, that they are healthy, they are whole, Father God. There's nothing missing, nothing broken upon their lives. Today, Father God, we just lift them up before you, Father God, in appreciation to you, Father God, for giving us a man and a woman that is sold out to you, sold out to your kingdom, Father God, that are, that are, that are built up on the foundations of your word, Father God, that have high integrity, Father God. And today, Father God, we pray that you bless them supernaturally, Father God. Increase them yet more and more, Father God. I declare and declare with long life you will satisfy 
satisfy them, Father God. I decree and declare that in this season, Father God, there will be a supernatural acceleration on every area of their lives, Father God. Thicken the hedge of protection around them, O oh God. Cause your angelic hosts now, Father God, to encamp around them and keep them safe and secure in all that they do. Bless their home, bless their family, O oh God, and cause them to walk in all that you have for them. We decree and declare it is so in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you for the privilege and the honor, mom and dad, to be able to preach and minister this morning. I don't take it lightly. I'm trusting God that we will be blessed this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray as we, as we get into the word today. Father, I come before you and I just thank you for who you are. Thank you, Daddy, for this opportunity to minister your word. I pray, Father God, that even as you've placed this word in my heart, I pray that you'll bring it forth without any hindrance, any outside force, any disturbance, Father, but it'll come forth accuracy, accurately, Father God, straight from the throne room of heaven. May this word, Father God, break people out of and break them into what you have for them in the name of Jesus. I thank you for our time together, Father, and I thank you that by your spirit, you will minister in this house and over the airwaves in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Are you excited to be here this morning? Are you excited to be here this morning? Wasn't the worship just amazing? Ah, it's so good, man. It's so good. It's so good to lift up his name. It's so good to be reminded of his goodness. Because when the world is going crazy... When you're hearing different things and people are saying things and the media is saying something else and it's just negative, negative, negative when you can slow down in a moment like this and just remind yourself of his goodness and his faithfulness. Amen. Amen. So this morning I want to continue with um, the theme that Apostle has been ministering in dealing with rest. Amen. And I want to share something. One day, it was actually this week as I was leaving the campus, um, as I was driving up, driving up uh, Piero, that, going that way, just past the gym, I was coming up the hill, and as you come up the hill, on the far side, on the other side of Hendra Potkita, there's that hill, um, Kloof, I don't know what it is, Constantial Kloof, whatever, whatever, but it comes all the way down, it's, it's not, not quite your table mountain, but it's a, a kopiki kind of thingy, and right on the far distance, right on that, that's on the opposite side of Hendra Potkita, I was looking across, and it must have been one of those silver triangle things that spin on houses, I think it's to keep away pigeons or something like that. And as I was looking, the sun was in the perfect place to reflect and hit my eye. I don't know if you've experienced that. You know, either with your phone or something where there's a strong reflection and it just goes into your eye. It almost like gives you like a blinded effect. And as I was driving up, I caught it and it went away. And I kept on driving and I was trying to see where it came from, but it never came back. And then I realized that my position changed. And because my position changed, I would never see it again. Unless I repositioned myself in order to have the same perspective that I had before, I would not see it again. Because your position determines your perspective. Wherever you position yourself will determine what you see. And what you see is critical for what you experience in your life. Amen. If I go to Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4 to 12, it says, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you as a prophet to the nations. So what's God doing? God's saying, this is how I positioned you. Are you with me? God says, I positioned you here as a prophet to the nations. Listen to what he says. He says, 
Then he said, verse 6, Jeremiah 1, verse 6, he says, Then he said, Our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. So God says, this is who I've called you to be. This is who I've positioned you to be. He says, no, don't position me there. I'm here. And God goes back. He says, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth. For you shall go to all whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I'm with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you, I have positioned you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. More, so listen to me. So God's now set him what? In his position. God says, I've set you here. This is what I've called you to be. This is the position I want you to be in. Then God says to him, more of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? First position, then perspective. And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, what? You have seen well. And then he says, for now, I am ready to do what? To perform my word. Here's the challenge. Many people are serving God, coming to church week in, week out. Are you with me? Doing the things that they know they must do. But the problem is if they're positioned incorrectly, they're going to be trying to get God to do something for them, but he can't perform his word until your perspective is correct. God cannot perform his word until you're seeing it the way he wants you to see it. Are you with me this morning? So your position is vital. Your position is critical. Because if your position is incorrect, you're going to have the wrong perspective. And you're going to be waiting for God to do something for you. But he cannot move to perform his word because you're not seeing what he needs you to see. So this is my mission this morning. I'm coming to position us this morning. I'm coming to position us this morning. I want us to be positioned correctly so that we can see it the way that God can see it. Because I'm come to declare over 2020 that even from today, you're going to see things the way God wants you to see it. And He's going to perform His word in your life. That before the end of this year, you're going to experience the supernatural upon your life. You're going to experience what God has got in store for you. You're going to experience the fullness of what God had assigned for 2020 for you. You're going to have it fully manifested in your life. God's going to make up whatever the end me thought you lost in the season. Why? Because we're going to see it the way God wants us to see it this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. So this morning I'm dealing with in His rest. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13 verse 16. Uh, Mary's keeping the time. Eh? Hebrews chapter 13 verse 16 to 19. It says, for who, having heard, rebelled indeed, was it not all who came up out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Go to Hebrews 4 verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, I saw in my that they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it. 
And those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time as has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For in, if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So if you read carefully in the scripture, it makes reference to his rest, God's rest, five times. And you cannot find rest unless you enter his rest. Because it's not your rest, it's his rest. And so this morning, I want to position us in His rest. Amen? Because when you're in His rest, you rest. If you try, I know many people are tired from this year, and many, there's so many memes going around for 2020. It's like, yo, people just want over. You know what I'm saying? I heard somebody send something out. They says, listen to 2020, man. Let's just call it a draw. No, we come to win. <laughs> it's like, you can keep your draw, my brother, but I'm going to come and take mine, take yours, and take everybody else who don't want theirs. Why? Because we only come to win. Why? So it, even though you're tired in the season, even though you're feeling fatigued in the season, you can run away. You can go to the coast. You can go to sunset. You can go wherever you want to go. The reality is that if you're not in his rest, you will never find rest. So he says that what? The goal is to enter into his rest, and that's the only position that God wants us to build our lives from. So let's go. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. So God wasn't tired and needed rest. Are you with me? It wasn't like, uh, you know, he still had to create a couple of things, but he was like, yo, economy, and you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like God now couldn't anymore. He had no more energy. There was no more effort to spare. And now he's like, sure, okay, wait, I'll, I'll eat that one maybe next week. You know what I'm saying? I'll come on the, on the back screen. I'll come eat that one in the next week. But, but for now, I just need to take a break. No, God only rested because it was complete. The only reason why God rests is because something is finished. It's done. There's a full stop. Nothing else is needed. It is complete. So when God rested, it was because everything that happened in Genesis chapter 1 was complete. Think about it. God didn't make everything in such a way that tomorrow when the sun must come up, God must come and actually lift the sun up. And then he must make sure that the oceans stay there where they are. And then he must make sure that the moon comes and the earth will spin around. No, he put things in place according to his creation that would keep everything in its place. The moon, the gravitational pull between the moon and the earth, the orbit of the, of the, of the earth spinning on its axis. You know what I'm saying? God don't have to spin. You know those globes you have? You must spin it like that. God doesn't have to do that every day. It's finished. Are you with me? And then God in his wisdom, when he makes vegetation, when he makes uh, the animals, he puts within itself the ability to reproduce itself. You understand what I'm saying? So God doesn't need to check every day asking uh, uh, Michael, uh, Mike, Mike, what's the, the quantity? Check on earth. Are they short of cows? Do we need to make another couple? No, it's done. God put the ability 
of the cow to reproduce and produce and increase and multiply within the cow. Are you with me? Every seed and her bearing field will produce after its own kind. So God puts everything in its place to work by itself outside of Him, and that's why it is finished. Amen. So He put everything in place so that it doesn't need Him again in order for Him to move. Now He can rest. Then He makes on the last day, the final part of creation, He makes man. His most prized possession. He makes this being that's in his image and in his likeness, one that is born from his very own DNA, one that is made just like him. Are you with me? And in this one, he also puts the ability to reproduce itself. So he doesn't have to make another and another and another. He first makes Adam, pulls Eve out of Adam because Eve was already in Adam. Amen. Pulls Eve out of Adam, and now they have the ability to reproduce. But then he mandates them. He says, now you manage what I've made. You take ownership of the sphere, you rule, you have dominion, we're going to work together, but this is your responsibility. So God now can rest, why? Because he's done. Amen? Are you with me? And this is where Adam started. Adam started in his rest. Amen? And when you look at Adam's life and you see what his starting position was, he started in a position where he was in his rest, where he was positioned in a place of authority, where he had dominion over everything, where he was blessed, where he had a purpose, where he was consistently in the presence of God. He had permanent prosperity. Amen. Everything he needed, every resource he needed, everything that he needed to do what God had called him to do was in his sphere of influence. He had everything. He lacked nothing. There was no sickness, no disease. The manifestation of the culture of heaven was in the earth, and he was in constant communion with God his Father. That was in his rest. And that's where he started. That was his starting point for life. That was his starting point as, as, as part of his walk on the earth. But then Adam makes a, a bloopsie and a boo-boo. And we go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And he says, And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, capital S, speaking of the Messiah, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children, and your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, not you, the ground. Amen? Not you, the ground. In toil, that means through sweat and hard labor, hard work and suffering, you shall eat all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the herb of the field, and the sweat of your face shall you eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So God is saying, because of what you've done, when Adam sinned, he separated himself from the rest. He separated himself from God. He separated himself, and now his spirit man was disconnected from the source, which is his father God, and that disconnect now brought death into the world. Amen? And because of this now, Adam has to toil. The earth will no longer give up to him what it would normally give up to him if he was positioned in rest. So now he has to fight to survive. Are you with me? He has to fight to survive. And at the same time, what does God do? Grace kicks in. Because grace made the beginning. Think about it. God put everything in place. Adam did nothing. 
He just rocked up on the scene with everything there ready for him. Grace supplied. He makes a mistake. Grace kicks in. And God the Father says, I'm going to send a seed. I'm going to send one that's going to fix what you've broken. I'm going to send one that's going to make right what you've made wrong. Outside of your own efforts, your own abilities, and your own strength, I'm going to send one that's going to fix everything, and you're going to be the beneficiary once again. Are you with me? So we go to John chapter 19, because now the Bible starts at that point, and you follow the narrative of the seed. Up until you come to the point where Mary receives the seed by the power of the Holy Spirit, she gives birth to Jesus, and Jesus fulfills his purpose, and now Jesus on the cross, and in John chapter 19, verse 30, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, what? It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Rest. Rest. You see that? It is finished. It's complete. There's no more for me to do. It is done. What needed to be done is now done. And whatever the Father wanted me to fulfill, it is finished. And so rest enters once again. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And so through Jesus' life, we now can receive salvation. Because he said it is finished, salvation is now your portion. Here's the problem. When I got saved in 2004, I only thought you needed to be saved to go to heaven. Now that's not incorrect, but it's incomplete. You're very quiet this morning. It's incomplete. Why? Because all I knew is I'm saved. Jesus died for my sins and I'm going to heaven. Nothing else. And so for two and a half years, I struggled with my relationship with God because all I knew is I was going to heaven. I didn't know how to, how to thrive here in the earth. So even though I knew rest was coming, I didn't have rest now. Because I was consistently fighting with myself and fighting with condemnation because every time I made a mistake, I had to repent. And, you know, at the church that I was at that time, I went, even they had altar calls, it was da. I think I got saved a million times over already. Look, I only went to church every three weeks, four weeks, so don't judge me. You know what I'm saying? But when I was there, there was an altar call, I was there, my man. I had no understanding, and all I knew is I'm going to heaven, but I had no victory in the earth. All I knew is I was going to heaven, but I didn't know how I was going to manage my life in the earth. That's the wrong position. So my perspective is incorrect, and I'll never win in life. And I'll never win in life. I will never enter into his rest if the word I'm receiving is incorrect and positioning me incorrectly I will never receive what God has got in store for me. Amen. So this morning, I'm trusting God that through these points I'm going to go through, that I can help to position you this morning. And I don't say position. I want to remind you of your position. I want to remind you of what God has done for you. I want to remind you of where He's positioned you. I want to remind you of what it looks like when you're in His rest. I want to remind you of the goodness of God and what God has done for you and where's your starting point in life. Amen. So when you receive your salvation, the actual word there is sozo, which means to prosper, to be delivered, to be saved, physically healed, made whole, well, preserved. 
That's the fullness of that word. Now, do you understand that if you only have a piece of the pie, you're only going to see the piece of the pie. And when you're supposed to be eating the whole pie, you can only have a small piece of the pie. Are you with me? But this morning, we need to see correctly because we need to remind ourselves of how God has positioned us. In 2 Corinthians 5 or 17, in the King James Version, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, all things have come new. Creature, I know the other version says creation, but I wanted to use this version this morning because you're a new creature, something that has not been seen before. It's not like you just remix. No, it's brand new. When you get saved, you're brand new. Your spirit man, brand new. That's why the oldest passed away. It's not a remix, there's still a bit of a lot. No, there's nothing. In your spirit man, you are made perfect in Christ. Yes, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions still got some issues. And your body might have some issues, but it's only a matter of time. Are you with me? But the reality is that in your spirit man, you are complete, whole, Physically, even in your body, it will translate into your body. You are preserved, you are protected, you are covered because of what God did in your spirit, man. It's a new creature. So this is where we're going to camp this morning. And I'm going to hit 10 points this morning. I'm trusting God I can get through all of them. I want you to stay with me. But each and every one of them, I want you to write it down and remind yourself that this is who I am. This is who God has made me to be. This is this new creature. Amen. This is this new creature that took place when I got saved. That, that regeneration of my spirit. That, that new making of me. This is what happened to you in that moment in time. And this is where you live out of. Because this is the finished work of God in your life. Number one, you are born of God. 1 Peter 1 verse 23 in the Amplified says, For you have been born again, that is, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for His purpose, not of a seed which is perishable, but from that which is imperishable and immortal, that is through the living and everlasting Word of God. He says you weren't born from a Mickey Mouse seed. You were born from the seed of the Word of God. Hear me, and the Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That means the Word of God and God are synonymous. So you are born from the very seed of God. You have the same DNA structure in your spirit, man. You have been restored completely to Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. that are made in His image and in His likeness. That means that when I stand up in the morning and I look in the mirror, I might see this pretty face in the mirror. But the reality is that the enemy is born of God. I have the same DNA structure as God. No man can stand before me because of who I am inside of me. Are you with me? It will change your identity of the way that you've seen yourself. You need to position yourself very differently. Why? Because I'm born from the very DNA of the creator of the universe. The one who made all things and made me to be like him. And today, say today, I'm made in the image and likeness of God. You are born from His very DNA. The same essence that makes up God is made up in your spirit. Amen? Number two, you are God's children. But as many, John chapter 1 verse 12 says, but as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says, for whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. The Bible says that when I believe the day I choose Jesus, the way I say yes to you, um, I make Him the Lord of my life and I get saved, that day I'm a child of God. 
Now, I don't know where you come from, but from a few of the places where I came from, if somebody said, I'm going to call my daddy for you, you know what I'm saying? When you're playing outside and you may be kicking ball and you kick your friend's ball over the wall, and you say, go fetch your ball, I'm going to go fetch your ball. He said, I know my pal. Okay, brother, wait. <laughs> your father is God in heaven. Why do we live the way we live? Why do we approach things the way that we approach it? I don't care what people said about you. I don't care how much they come up against you. Do they know who your father is? Do you know who your father is? Then it says in Romans chapter, it says, Jesus was the firstborn among the brethren. That's your Buddha. I know for sure there's many of you that even from the neighborhoods that we come from, you know that, 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 that youngster. Then he got his big older brothers. That's like either they're notorious in the community. You know what I'm saying? He's a pain. He's the most irritating individual in the world. But you make sure he's your friend. Because you know when things go wrong, you know who we can go and call. You know what I'm saying? So why do we live the way that we live? Why do we enter into things like, like this thing is going to overcome me or this thing is going to dictate my life? It cannot hear me when I know who's my daddy. When I know who's my brother. When I know when I'm walking in a place like you can try and come up against me, you can try and stop me, but my daddy's with me and my brother's with me. I got my family here today and there's no devil in hell that's going to stop me from fulfilling my destiny. There's no devil in hell that's going to stop me from fulfilling my calling. There's no devil in hell that's going to stop my breakthrough. Why? Because God is my daddy. The all-powerful, ever-living God. The one who is ever present, tell me, if your father has the ability to be in your yesterday, today, and your tomorrow, won't he fix your tomorrow before you get there? So stop walking around like an orphan spiritually. You know, you're You know what I'm saying? Because I, I had somebody like that that was a chomio of mine. He, he thought he was everything, but he was nothing. If you catch him on his own, it's over. But just because of who his brothers are, it's like, okay, you don't mess with that like this. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, you can get to, you can win now, but tomorrow you're going to get it. People, hear me. The enemy is so afraid of you because of who your father is. You're allowing the enemy into your space when the reality is, hey, as bang for your pa. So stop walking around like you're an orphan or stop walking around like you don't have the support, the backing. Hear me, some of you say, I'm all alone. No, you're not. If you're all alone and feeling all alone, I know there's many times you might feel a little bit lonely, but don't forget you got your father that's with you in everything that you do. You got your brother that's with you in everything. He was the firstborn among the brethren. Number three, God is in you. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, verse uh, 28 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And Christ is not his surname. It's not Jesus Christ. Christ is not his surname. We're going to find it in the phone book. If you look under Christ, you understand what I'm saying? Christ, Christ means the anointed one and he's anointing. So when you're speaking of Christ, it's the Messiah. It's the C, the capital S. He says, I don't live anymore, but he lives where? In me. And Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 to 10 says, For in him dwells, in who? Him, Christ, dwells the fullness, hear me, of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. He's saying that the fullness of the Godhead lives in you. Think about that. The one who made everything. 
the one who holds the universe in the palm of his hand. The one who we were worshiping this morning chose to abide in us. Think about that this morning. Let our finite minds receive a breakthrough this morning to try to comprehend what God is saying. God, can you think about that? That God himself is in you? God himself, God, the one who made the heavens and the earth, the one who is all-powerful, all-knowing, lives inside of you, inside of your neighbor. Just look at your neighbor. You can't look at them the same anymore. God is in them. Hear me. God is in them. Can you imagine the power that you can unleash from your spirit man? Think about the things that you're facing today. The challenges, the struggles. Look at it and tell me if God can overcome that thing. Can God overcome that? So why are you scared? Why do you fear when He's in you? He's with you. I don't care what they say about 2020. Hear me. I don't care what they say about the spike. But there's no spike that can touch this that's inside of me. Are you with me? That confidence you can have because he's in you. When you go, and I know it's negative in the world. That's why I keep telling you, whenever they talk about Corona, I say, I'm a Corona free zone. Don't even talk. Me, I'm Corona free. I'm a Corona. Yeah, you know people that say that. Uh, I say, I say what I want to say. I'm a Corona free zone. Why? Because my dad is in me. God is in me. God, the fullness of the Godhead is on the inside of me. This little thing that's a virus, whatever it is, and not trying to make light of it in terms of what's happening to people in the world, but in terms of who we are as the church triumphant, we must understand our positioning that wherever we go, you can release the atmosphere and the presence and the glory of God in any place that you go. Why? Because He's in you. Stop standing in front of people and putting yourself on the same place as the world. You're not. Don't accept stuff in your life anymore that you shouldn't accept. Anything that is outside of the will of God for your life, you return to sender. Say, it's not for me. And I don't care how much you want to put that thing on me. God lives in me. Could you imagine what it would look like if we could see into the spirit of a man? How would you judge that man? If you could see the God in the man. Number four, you are forever righteous. To be righteous means to be in right standing with God. To be righteous means you're innocent, you're, not, you're found not guilty. You're in right standing with the law, and before the judge, you have never transgressed. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, through Adam... And death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin. For under the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sent for the judgment, which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from the many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned, death reigned 
through the one much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Sin entered because of Adam. When you were born, you were born into sin. You can't change it. That's just the way that it is. But the day you received Jesus, because one man messed it up, one man, Jesus, came to make it right. Are you with me? And where the law was against you in the past, it cannot be against you anymore because that one man was judged for the law, for your past, your present, and the future sin of the entire world and rid us of the condemnation and the guilt. That's why the Bible says you can stand before your Father in heaven. You can boldly enter into the throne room of grace to obtain mercy for your faults and grace to help in your kind of need. You can have a confidence in your relationship with God. Why? Because of what Jesus did. You are in the right standing. You are not guilty. Hear me, you are not guilty. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12, it says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So you make a mistake, you sin, you're born again. And you're crying over this thing for weeks. And you Teddy, I made a mistake. I don't know how you can forgive me. And God's like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, no, 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 that thing. That thing that I did. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. No, 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 but you must remember. No, I chose not to remember. Not because just of wiping, but because of what Christ did. That means he only sees you in him. Are you with me? And here's the thing. Many people might have made mistakes this year because of the challenges. You could have backslidden. People could have made different decisions or did things that they knew they shouldn't have been doing. But there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing. The day you step up and stand up and say, you know what? I refuse to position myself. As one that's without a father, with one that is without one that loves me, as one that is not in Christ, I refuse to position myself as a sinner. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I am the righteousness of God because of grace. And hear me, it doesn't matter. I'm not only talking to those that have maybe fallen in sin or those that have made mistakes. I'm talking to those who have been stuck even in their purpose, in their walk with God. And you've been sitting in a place where you've been condemned, feeling guilty like you never and God's never. I'm telling you now, God can make up the lost time. All you've got to do is step up and say, I am the righteousness of God. God, tell the devil to go to hell and tell him you're not going with him. You'll give him a postcard to go there, whoever wants to go with him. But you're not going there. Why? Because you are the righteousness of God. Don't condemnation. When they, when they say a building is condemned, it says it's no longer fit for use. So many Christians walking around like that, like, you know, I'm useless. If God can, it's like, yo, don't get around me. Because that's from the pit of hell. It's to keep you stagnant. It's to keep you stationary. It's to stop you from moving with God. Hear me. Get up. Repent from what you must repent of. Ask God to give you the strength to overcome and walk into what He's got for you. But stop feeling sorry for yourself because God's not feeling sorry for you because He's forgiven you a long time ago. Hear me. When Jesus says, it is finished, He's not going to die for your sin tomorrow again. He paid once and for all with the eternal blood of the Savior. For eternity it speaks for you. You must be confident in the presence of God. It's the worst thing to come before God and feel guilty and shameful. I know that feeling. I've shared this many times with the youth. When, you know when you catch on nonsense, and I, unfortunately I did many of those. But you know when you catch on nonsense, and you know your mother knows. There was one day they caught me bunking at my friend's school. We went to fetch the keys from my friend in his school 
to go to his house to go party. And on the same day, the principal called in his father to have a conversation with him about his son's lack of attendance at school. His dad pulls up while I'm standing in the office asking for the keys from this guy. I run out, I run past his father, I greet him and I hoi. The principal gets in the car with the father. They catch us eventually on the train station. They say, okay, you must go back to school. I say, you know what? Today we're going to party because I know when I get home, I'm in trouble anyway. Why must I go back to school? It's 10 o'clock in the morning. Forget that. But you know when I had to come home, it's like, it's like okay, how do I come in here now? You know what I'm saying? Like, where do I? Am I going to have to dodge a couple? But you're guilty. You're guilty. How do you approach somebody with confidence when you know you're guilty and you know that they know you're guilty? You know what I'm saying? But with God, he's like, no, come. It's like, hey, dad, I'm sorry for what I've done. You know what? I need help in this place. Because where, where I'm weak, I know you're strong. I know that you can help me to overcome. Now connect me to who I need to be connected to. Help me to overcome this thing. But daddy, I'm not going to stay away from you. I'm not going to be condemned in your presence. I'm going to stand here. You made me righteous through your son, Jesus Christ. You finished the work so that I don't have to do anything anymore. And I'm entering into your rest knowing that I am the righteousness of God. Amen. You should be confident every second of every day. Knowing that your dad is with you. Wherever you are. Number five, that's what time. You are anointed. 1 John 2 verse 27 says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. Say the anointing abides in me. Hear me. Christ is in you. The anointing is in you. The anointed one and his anointing is in you. The burden removing, yoke destroying power of God is inside of you. You don't have to uh, You don't have to see, maybe I must get some more today. No, it's in you. And the fullness of that anointing is in you because it's in your spirit which is sealed. You can't change it. You can only access it, but you can't change it. You can't diminish what God has put in your spirit. You can stop the flow, but you can't diminish it. The more you align, the more the flow. Are you with me? That's why in your household, in your home, in your community, in your city, in your workplace, it does not matter what the enemy is trying to bind the people with there. When you come, there's liberty. It's the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God that is inside of you. I don't care if they've got attitudes in that place. I don't care if there's oppression and heaviness in that place. When I come in, there's liberty. Why? Because the anointing of God is on the inside of me. You, what you have in you can break generational curses. What's trying to come down the bloodline can't affect you. Because you're anointed. When people come around you, they must just experience breakthrough like this. They must feel a lifting. They must feel light. They must not feel good about themselves. Why? Because there's something that's in you and on you that breaks anything that opposes the will of God in your environment. I don't care where they're stuck, who's doing what. When you come there, it must change. When you come there, it must change. If the company's struggling and you pray the anointing and go and break that thing, if they're struggling in the family and you come, it must break that thing. If divorce wants to lift his head, you come there, it must break that thing. If drug addiction is rife in your community, poverty is rife in your community, there's an anointing on the inside of you to solve that thing, to break that thing so it cannot affect the next generation. But you've got to position yourself. 
Every morning when you get up, say, I'm anointed. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm anointed. And somebody do it with some. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm anointed. And no devil in hell can mess with me today. Because when I get up there, everything that is designed to bring bondage, to bring oppression, to bring, to bring chains, to bind me, is broken today in the name of Jesus. Before I step out of this bed, the anointing of God that is upon me and in me is flowing into every environment that I'm going in today. Amen. Number six, you have power over the enemy. Luke chapter 10 verse 19 says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy and nothing, say nothing, nothing. say nothing, nothing, shall by any means hurt you. So many people are running from the devil. It should be running from you. The enemy is being defeated. The Bible says that Jesus publicly shamed him, stripped him and publicly shamed him, made a public spectacle of him the day that he was stripped from everything. And in, in those days in war, what they used to do when they used to take over a village or destroy a king, they used to bring that king and strip him, make a time in chains and walk him through the city and shame him in the city so people could see him. That's what he did to the devil. Every principality, every power, every angelic host, everything in the spiritual realm knows that he's Mickey Mouse. We make him strong. Hear me? We make him strong. We give him power. You know what I'm saying? We give him power over us when he's got nothing, no authority, he's got no power, and the Bible says nothing shall by no means be able to hurt you. That's your position. You know, when stuff happened around you or something, or people, they talk about COVID, keep it. If you don't want it, I can pray for you. But don't say it's coming to me. Because nothing shall by any means hurt me and harm me. Anything that is from the devil, from the enemy, to destroy is under my feet. And some of you are having conversations with the enemy like this. You should be looking like this. Position yourself differently. Stop giving the enemy power. Yo, you know the devil is just you. He's beating me up. How? How? He's been stripped. He's been stripped. And the only thing he does is what? He comes to deceive you, to put you in fear through situations and circumstances. Do what? To position you lower. That's why when he spoke to Eve, what did he say? He took out a position. And when he took out a position, she saw differently. It changed the perspective. Now the fruit she's not supposed to eat is somehow looking good. It wasn't looking good just now. But when he repositioned her through deception, it changed the perspective. And now the tree that she knew she wasn't supposed to eat from, suddenly the fruit looked good. Because she was positioned incorrectly. Don't allow the enemy to position you. Keep him where he must be. Are you with me? Amen. Yeah, when people speak curses and stuff of you, our flesh, our fight's not against flesh and blood. Amen. Our fight's not against flesh and blood. Don't send God to strike the people dead. No. Yeah. Those that are laughing the loudest, we know, we know, we know, we know, we know. But here's the thing. When you see those things come up against you, there's a spirit behind that person. 
and you've been given complete authority over. You put that thing in its place. Don't even go face to face. It's like you don't fight like that. You don't fight. No, 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 no. It says, honor. you under me because God gave me authority over you. Amen. No devil can stop you from walking into the territory that God has assigned for you. No devil. Hear me. No giant can stand before you and stop you from entering into the territory that God has assigned to you. It's all up to you. If you say no, it's no. Number seven. There's some water. Number seven. You are blessed. I want to encourage you, go and listen to the teaching of Apostle last week again and soak in that word. Position yourself in the blessing. Understand that thing to the fullness of what it is. Meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you can understand how to walk in the blessing. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be God our Father, and the Lord, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing is yours. Lack and insufficiency and deprivation is not your portion. You, I thought it would be much better right there. It's not your portion. Hear me. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22 in the NIV, it says, The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Where the earth is shut up to the rest of the world, and they must toil and sweat, for you it will yield it willingly. It will yield it willingly. Why? Because of the blessing that is upon your life. Apostle gave 10 points. I just want to give three. It says the blessing is the anointing of God through which divine favor flows. Don't expect people to treat you the same like other people. When you walk into a place, look for favor. Why? The blessing is on you. They cannot just treat you differently. Why? Because it's on me. It's the power of God to produce. You must shift to being a producer and no longer a consumer. And it's the anointing of God that overrides the curse. It does not matter how people are struggling. I don't struggle. I don't struggle. You know, when they say stuff in the business or we sit in the meeting, they say, I said, that's not for me. They just look at me like I'm crazy. I don't speak about Jesus, nothing. I just say, that's not for me. No, no, no. I say, yeah, you can, but I don't. Keep it. I'm not taking it. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because it's not my portion. Where I go, people want to help me. People want to do things for me. People want to bless. Why? Because I'm, uh, I, wherever I go, I am blessed. I have divine favor. The curse cannot affect me unless I allow it to affect me. You understand me? So when you position yourself in the blessing, you will never accept the result of the curse. It's just, you got to get, we all of us, hear me, all of us have to get to the place of where these truths, and these are not the only truths, there's many more. I'm only touching on these because of time. Where these truths become our reality and we live from this place of His rest. Because this is rest. This is rest. You know, when other people are stressing about a deal or a business or whatever, you must just walk in. Uh, no, you know, no, I'm not stressed. When they spoke about the things happening with COVID over the birth, I said, not by us. Won't happen to us. Oh, no, people are saying, yeah, we won't struggle in our business. No, there will never be lack here. No, you worried about next year. The, I don't know, when we were sitting in a meeting, we had a meeting this week. I said, something. I said let me tell you something. Next year is going to be our best year so far. Hey, yeah. people say, yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, just one thing, you know, things could work out really good. Now I'm saying, no, next year it's going to be our best year so far. You're going to see. You're going to see how things are going to happen next year. Well, I'm setting it because the blessing's on me. You're not going to determine my, my year next year. Amen. Why? You position you. Don't allow the enemy and people to position you. 
Go and read Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 to 14 as homework. And go read the, the manifestation of the blessing. Number eight, I've got two more than I'm done. Am I still good for time? I'm good. Every promise is complete. Second Corinthians 1 verse 20 in the Amplified says, For as many as are the promises of God in Christ, they are all answered. Say with me, yes. Say again, yes. So through him we say our amen to the glory of God. Every promise is yes. It's complete. God don't need to do nothing for you anymore. He's done it already. So when you come into God and say, God, I just need you to do, 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 do. No, you're positioning yourself wrong. You're positioned incorrectly. You're not seeing it the way that God wants you to see it. Why? Because all his promises are yes and amen. There is no more promise for you. Every promise is now a reality already in you. Sickness, uh, sickness is not your portion. Why? Because healing is where? In you. Prosperity is where? In you. The blessing is where? In you, your next, your, 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 your property, your land, your, your territory, your purpose is where? It's in you. There's nothing that God must still do for you because he's resting already. It's yes and amen. So you don't ask for healing. You manifest healing. When sickness comes onto your body or symptoms of sickness, what is it? It's the enemy trying to reposition you and tell you that you're sick. When you accept it, you have to live with it. But if you say return to sender, it's not my portion because I am the healed of the Lord. I am made healthy and whole. He said by his stripes, I am made whole. I can't receive the sickness. I refuse to accept it in my life. It does not mean that it doesn't come. Why? Because the enemy is consistently trying to what? To reposition you. And the minute you accept his position, you're going to see it incorrectly. Can you fix this mic? Take it out of the monitor. Amen? So if you are sitting like this before heaven, you're positioned incorrectly. If you're still looking for a promise that must still come to pass in terms of time, it means that God's not done. It means there's no rest. But if I understand that God has completed everything inside of me and where I'm standing right now, it's done already. I'm just aligning with heaven to manifest what is needed in the next season. It's a very different perspective because where you were sitting in a place where you needed something, you know that you have it already. I always used to struggle and say, you know what? You pray and then you praise God. I'm like, praise for what? In my mind, it don't compute. I must say thank you for nothing. Think about it. Do you know what I'm saying? Say, okay, no. Once you praise God, I thank you now that this thing, blah, 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 blah. okay, now I praise you for it. If you don't have understanding, how are you going to do that? Because you don't have it in the natural or in terms of your perspective. But if I understand that everything is done for me already, everything that you need to fulfill your purpose, your destiny, everything that you need for your relationship with your spouse, everything that you need in your finances, in your business, everything that you need for the territory God's called you to go into, everything that you need for your health, your healing, your mental strength, your mental health, everything that you need, God's already done for you. Then it's a very different position that I take up because it's done. Are you with me this morning? I don't need him to do anything anymore because he's done it all for me. That's grace. I don't deserve it, but he did it. Amen. Amen. And then the last two, I see Warren's there. You are co-heir with Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 17, it says, And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also. Heirs 
of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. I think this is the Amplified that I'm reading out of. Only we must share his suffering if we are to share his glory. He says, you are heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. That means everything that, that Jesus got and obtained, I have. Everything. Everything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything. I'm a co-heir with Christ. You know what? Somebody's living in my house now. Are you know what say, brother? I'm just saying. Because all the earth belongs to who? Who? Very quiet. All the earth belongs to who? If it belongs to him, it belongs to who? It's yours. So where you're walking out, you can, when you go into places, you can say, you know what, I'm just letting you use it for now. I'm just allowing you to use it for now. Why? Because my daddy owns everything and I'm an heir. It's in his will. It's my portion. Amen. Last one. You have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, the Amplified says, For he... For who has known or understood the mind, the counsels, and the purposes of God, of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and to give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and do hold the thoughts, the feelings, and purposes of his heart. What he's saying, he says, you have the mind of God. Hear me. The mind of God that created everything. Think about it. The mind of God that, 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 that created a seed. And that in a seed was a root, a branch, a fruit, Another seed, are you with me? Who created an animal, who created the digestive system, who created your nervous system, the mind that created the ecosystem, the water cycle, the mind that created the stars, the universe, everything. That mind is in you. There is no problem that you're facing that you don't have an answer for. There isn't. If you're feeling stumped, it's because you're positioned incorrectly. When you face any problem, any challenge, no matter in your business, your home, your marriage, your children, whatever it is, Father, what's the wisdom? What's the mind of God? Help me to see it the way that you see it. I receive your wisdom now. You know, when you go into meetings, you can ask God. Say, Daddy, just give me the wisdom concerning this conversation. I don't care how many degrees you have. More than a thermometer you can even have. I don't care. If I'm sitting there, the wisdom of God is with me. Unless you're my brother in Christ. Outside of that, I'm sorry, brother, but it's with me. The answer sits with who? With me. Why? Because he's in me. The mind that created everything is in me. Think about that. How can you ever have a problem you cannot solve? How do you think Daniel then flowed with wisdom? Where? It was the mind of God. Joseph, how could he come up with a strategy? It was the mind of God. The strategy that you need for your business, the strategy that you need for your home, the strategy that you need to go into the territory God has assigned to you, every strategy that you need, every thought, every idea, every solution that you need is in you in Christ Jesus. And you can tap into something that nobody else can. Well, not nobody else, anybody in the world. That's why when you're sitting with something or you're stuck with something, when we go through something in our business, the first thing is, okay, Daddy, what do you say? Give us your mind. So that we can know how to deal with the situation. Because you know sometimes you just want to, and my wife will say, hey brother, slow your own. What does the Lord say? Why? Because I can get his mind. And you know that if it comes from him, there's no way that thing can fail. It's set to make you overcome. 
Amen. Hear me this morning. I know there was a lot of scripture. But I really believe that even in this season, when you start to meditate on these things and meditate on this word, it gives you rest. Because rest is internal. When I'm resting, it's in His rest. Because God is done. Everything that you need for your life to succeed, to prosper, to fulfill your destiny, your purpose, every relationship, everything for your mind, every idea, every part of your body being healthy and whole, every form of provision that you need, everything that you need is done already. Because He's resting. And if He's in rest, I can rest in His rest. Let's stand this morning. Thank you, Jesus. nothing lacking, nothing missing in our lives, oh God. You've provided for everything that we could ever need, Father God, as we fulfill our kingdom assignment in this earth, Father. I want to thank you, Daddy, that we are free, we are healthy, we are whole, we delivered, we are prosperous, and we're walking in victory all the days of our lives, oh God. I want to thank you, Father God, for all that you've done. I want to thank you, Father God, for finishing the work, oh God. And I want to thank you, Lord God, that you're going to teach us in this season how to walk by faith as we enter into your rest, oh God, that you provided for us in the name of Jesus. Hear me today. You cannot enter into his rest until you receive his son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. If that's you today. If you're saying, Pastor Brian, I, I hear what you're saying and I love what you're saying. I want that life. I want to receive what you're speaking about. I want to enter into His rest. I want that to be true for my life. Then it's a very simple decision you have to make today. You just have to invite Jesus into your heart and He will come, wash away your sin and make you the new creature that is found in Him. If that's you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you once did, but you feel like you're so far from Him, then don't run from Him. Just recommit your life. It's a fresh commitment. You are the righteousness of God already because He's washed you and cleansed you forever. 
It's a simple, fresh commitment that you make to Him. If that's you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you once did, and you just want to make a fresh commitment, if that's you, I want to pray with you this morning. We can just pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came from heaven, down to this earth, that you died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sin, and you rose again three days later that I can have life. Jesus, come into my heart. Wash me, cleanse me, make me brand new. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen and amen. Come on. From today, from today, just because you made that decision, now that your spirit is completely new and connected to God, all those truths and many more is your portion. From today, you position there. You don't have to do anything to position yourself in those places. You already positioned because God did it all by Himself. Amen and amen, amen. Please be seated as we receive the offering this morning. One, two. Awesome. So even in this place, even as I was just thinking about even what I'm ministering about today, about the fact that grace is already provided, the work is finished. When you sow your seed, if you sow your seed from an incorrect position, you'll be sowing waiting for God to move. But the reality is that the answer is in the seed. The answer is in the seed. God doesn't need to move because He put the answer in your seed. The breakthrough that you want, the increase that you want is already locked up in your seed. Here's something that hit me when I was preparing. In John chapter, if we can go there, you don't have to go there. We read it already today. John chapter 19 verse 30 it says, so Jesus, so when Jesus had received the sour one, he said, it is finished. Think about this. Jesus said it is finished when he was being sown, not when he was resurrected. <laughs> Think about it. Jesus said it is finished when he was being sown, not when he was being resurrected. I would have thought he would have already defeated the enemy, shown himself to Mary and said, it is done. No. He knows the principle. Because in Genesis chapter 3, God calls him what? The seed. Jesus says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it stands alone. So Jesus says, in this seed is redemption is victory, healing, wholeness, everything. The complete sozo is in the seed, Christ. And the answer is already done at the moment that is sown, not when he is needed, not when the harvest comes. Are you with me this morning? So Jesus says, it is finished. When you sow your seed, it is finished. Amen. The answers in your seed, when you name that seed, when you ascribe the DNA to that seed and you sow your seed, the answer has already been set in motion to be made manifest in your life. Why? Because it's only a matter of time. Amen. You don't have to sow an apple seed and wait and see if something's going to, or is it going to make an apple. No, the answer is already in the seed. So the Bible says God gives seed to a sower. If you're not experiencing the breakthrough that you want, name the seed, sow the seed. And the minute you sow the seed, it is finished. Amen. Take your seed, your tithe, and your offering in your hand this morning. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. 
We thank you, Father God, for this generous people, your generous church, Father God. I thank you, Lord God, that as they sow today, Father God, it is finished. The breakthrough, the harvest, the increase, the multiplication is their portion already today. We honor you, we magnify you, we bless you for this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together this morning. season hear me in this season you can experience the manifestation of what God has done for you you're going to enter into his rest I decree and declare it over your Christmas season over the December I decree and declare it's going to be the best December so far breakthrough upon breakthrough is your portion healing prosperity permanent prosperity and divine healing is your portion I bless each and every one of you under the sound of my voice. For those that are traveling, those that are going away on holiday, I plead the blood of Jesus upon you and your families. I thank you, Father God, that you send forth angelic hosts now to protect them, keep them, Father God, and just to keep them and take them there and bring them home safely, Father God. We thank you, Father God. This is a disease-free December in Jesus' mighty name. We're walking with expectation to see the goodness of God be made manifest in our lives. Amen.